Welcome to the Fayetteville Fire Podcast, where we talk all things fire-related, safety tips, and things that are happening in our Camdu City. I'm Captain Don Cheeta, Community Risk Reduction, and I'll be your host. Last year, North Carolina had 146 reported fire deaths. Cumberland County has experienced five fire deaths in the, just the first two months of 2024. We'll talk more about this later during our monthly safety message. Today, I brought in Battalion Chief Michael Autry, who works in our planning research, and we're going to kind of go over Fayetteville Fire Department's annual summary for 2023. Thanks for joining me, Chief. Thank you. Good morning. So what we're going to go over today is kind of uh, a summary that was provided to City Council and uh, City Manager on Monday's Council meeting, just just kind of an overlay of uh, what the Fire Department has done in the last year. Yes, uh, so we usually give a quarterly review, but uh, usually third week in February. So every year we give um, a a review for the entire year, quarter by quarter, and then we do some year-by-year comparisons. All right, so tell us something about fire, tell us some things the fire department's accomplished or done in 2023. So as far as accomplishments, we, um, uh, on the EMS side, we were able to implement four new medications. we have uh, albuterol, Tylenol, Benadryl, oral glucose was the other one we added. And uh, this was just to try to see if we could help those with you know, respiratory. We have allergic reactions and, uh, of course, diabetic emergencies. It gives us more tools out there to make a positive impact with patients from the time the fire department arrives till they go to the EMS provider, which uh, typically is a Cape Fear Valley Medical and I think it's important for our uh, our listeners to know that uh, you know there's a lot vast majority of our EMS calls um, we're on the scene for some time um, before we get an ambulance or get an ALS um, advanced life support crew, just due to the nature, the number of call volume, and the number of uh, ambulances on the road versus um, fire trucks within the city. Yes, and it's probably our biggest thing. We it is our biggest thing when we look at numbers. And we reported to council on Monday night. We uh, talked about the number of EMS responses, and of those EMS of all the calls that Fayetteville ran last year, EMS responses were about sixty six percent, and that was eighteen thousand seven hundred thirty two calls. So uh, of the twenty eight thousand and ninety eight calls that we ran in twenty twenty three. you see we had a bulk of those were EMS. So it is very important that we um, make sure that we have the proper tools to help people when we arrive. Uh, but yes, in, in the year, not only in the EMS side, as far as improvements, we uh, actually developed a lithium ion response program. Uh, if everybody's watching the news, um, you know, New York City right now is having a big time with uh, that. They had fatal fire this past week with where it, with lithium ion related uh, fire calls so it is uh, something that we uh, strive to look and we look at trends across the nation and you know, we we look at our numbers uh, at the accreditation office in which i work out of we we look at the trends and we start measuring data to that so some of the things that we we report to council are you know the trends that we see uh, you know in the ems side you know motor vehicle responses were actually down a little bit last year uh, but yeah, we had over 2,100 calls on the on the uh, motor vehicle accident side. And 2,100 plus motor vehicle accidents. Them are ones that are 
reported as injuries. Um, there's many more vehicle accidents that happen in the year that it's property damage only in which we don't get a response. And going back to the lithium-ion batteries, for, for our listeners that are wondering, what's a lithium-ion battery? Basically, just about any rechargeable battery you have in your house um, nowadays is lithium-ion, whether it's a cordless drill, um, an electric scooter, um, just to name a few things, up to now vehicles. Yeah, and I think most of the time we um, look at those responses, and a lot of times it's uh, related to the charging of the batteries, not necessarily uh, the battery just catching on fire spontaneous. A lot of times we see that it's due to the battery and the charging environment. Yeah, and it's important uh, when you're talking lithium-ion batteries, and we don't we can go a whole show on just that. But if if you got elect if you got lithium-ion batteries, you got rechargeable stuff out there. Um, don't go to eBay or go to Amazon and buy the aftermarket uh, charger for that battery. Um, if it's a DeWalt battery, use a DeWalt charger. That's kind of the way they're designed. And a lot of the problems we find are aftermarket batteries being used or aftermarket chargers and whatnot. If we'll follow up through with you know the year we talked about 18,000 EMS responses and of those EMS responses, you know, categories that we, um, we report each, each quarter in each year, you know, we talked about motor vehicle accident responses, and of course, one of the unfortunate things we measure is overdose responses. And then, um, of those, uh, last year we done a we do a year-to-year comparison at the end of the year. Um, we had 516 overdose responses within the fire department, and of those, um, naloxone or Narcan is the is the trade name. We give uh, naloxone. 293 times uh, so um, that is something that we we deal with within uh, the city limits of Fevel and as you know uh, big talk nationwide we we know that it's an epidemic and, and you know just what glares out to me there is even though our overdoses went down by over a hundred from 22 to 23 our use of Narcan went up which means that yeah we're having less overdoses but more of them involve opiates. Yes, yes, true. And then, of course, cardiac arrest responses were up last year, um, 441 compared to 419 the previous year. And um, as of last night, you know, the, the, it was the heartfelt banquet uh, that was hosted by um, Cape Fear Valley uh, and celebrating wins with a cardiac arrest where the responders actually get to meet up with the the people they responded to and uh, we were very fortunate to have a long list of uh, first responders invited that it impacted uh, the lives of people within our city yeah and if uh, for those listening uh, you know the heartfelt banquet brings in those cardiac arrest survivors um, and their families to meet everyone that was involved in that in that arrest save that that basically brought them back to life from the first responder firefighters that showed up to the the ambulance crew, the ALS, to the doctors and the, the other professionals in the hospital. And, and like I said, EMS is a bulk of what we do. Uh, we are called Fevel Fire Department. So uh, on the fire side, we, we measure a lot. We, we measure um, you know, so many different things. It's not just about um, one type of fire or one thing, but you know, our office um, is challenged with reporting um, many different things and the 
Chief Alvarez spoke of all these on Monday night. So uh, total fire responses for Federal Fire Department last year were uh, 1,716, which was down a bit from previous year and significantly up from 2021. But uh, of those, 390 were uh, of structure fires, uh, and that would be everything from uh, storage building, commercial building to uh, residents. Uh, so when we're looking at those, but a lot of the things we do measure that people may not uh, do in the, in the community risk reduction side, you know, we look at the percentage of fires that start in a kitchen. Yeah. So we, we go through all this information and last year, 29.87% started in the kitchen. And if you look two years ago, that's uh, about 17% less than uh, two years ago. So um, uh, we're, we're hoping that our community risk reduction efforts in that area uh, are actually helping us drive these numbers down. And, and I look at it, and uh, I work in community risk reduction, funny enough. But, uh, yeah, f- almost 47 in 2021, almost 47% of our structure fires started in the kitchen. Um course 2021 we're still in uh, the middle end of the pandemic we still had a lot of people at home um a lot of places not open to to eat and and whatnot so we we relate that to having a lot more people spend a lot more time in the kitchen but still in 2022 as we're getting back to normal we're just short of 32 percent and we brought that down to just short of 30 percent so even a two percent incline uh that means you folks out there are uh, standing by your panel a little bit more often. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Unfortunately, we did suffer some, some fire fatalities uh, in the year in 2023. We had three last year, um, and uh, that's those are always hard calls for our responders. We're geared up to save lives, and uh, uh, it, prevention uh, helps make these zeros down the road, yeah. uh, but accidents do happen. Um and during the year, you know, we also measure like, and all this correlates into a larger picture, but um, the percent of uh, fire that's confined to the room that it originated in. So last year we uh, we had some success of confining uh, of these fires. We confined sixty one point zero four percent to the room of origin, and uh, that that's significant. And, and that's measured by having very well-trained firefighters, the right amount of firefighters there at the right amount of time. And it all starts with that early detection of a fire, having a smoke alarm that goes off, getting the 911, calling 911, getting the, the, the proper equipment on the road, and the properly trained people showing up and uh, keeping it at the min- most minimal area we can. So to see 61% confined to room of origin is actually uh, better numbers than we've seen over the last uh, previous two years. Yeah, and that's uh, to make more uh, layman's terms, um, you know, I've done a lot of fire investigation in my time and a lot of fire investigation training. And uh, a typical room, say a bedroom or a kitchen, um, you can go from a, a small fire in a wastebasket or a small fire in your cooking pan to the full room involvement in three to five minutes with today's furnishings and everything else. So for your viewers, you know, you, 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 you have a fire in your bedroom and within five minutes that entire room is, is engulfed in fire. Um, we're doing a great job 60% of the time of getting in there and stopping it before it gets out in the hallway, gets in other rooms and other parts of the building. 
Yes, exactly. You know, we measure so many different things, and we talked about, you know, dollar uh, loss versus save ratio. Our, our save ratio, um, based off the value of uh, fire, is we have a 94.5%, a little better 94.5% save ratio, meaning that of the value of the property, um, usually we're looking at, uh, you know, less than 6% loss. Um, and that to me, um, means that we're getting in there and getting the job done. And how do we, how do we do that? So, um, part of that is measuring our times and we measure our times and we report our times. So, um, we have what we call benchmarks, uh, which are, Hey, this is where we need to be, uh, or, uh, and baseline meaning that's pretty much the standard in 2021. Just an example of that is when someone called 911, it took about little over two minutes to get that call dispatched out in 2023 we're looking at a minute and a half so 35 second improvement on just getting notification to the fire trucks and that piece alone uh if it were and that's that's not just fire trucks that's if you need you know if someone's suffering suffering a medical emergency a hazardous materials emergency you know we have a rescue event any of those things a minute 30 right now from the time you dial to the first truck gets notified and they we, we typically say hey uh, you got a minute and a half to get that truck on the road once you're notified so in 2023 it was taking us about a minute 25 for 90 percent of the time it took us about a minute 25 and then we say we want you there in five minutes and 12 seconds so we're at 5 13 so we're really shading there our goal for the whole response from the time somebody dials 911 to the first truck gets on the scene, we want them there in eight minutes. We're averaging, we're at 90% of the time, we're doing six minutes and 59 seconds. That, that says a lot. And, and for you folks listening, I mean, a minute 30 from the, the time that that dispatch bell goes off in the station to them rolling a fire truck, a minute 25. That's all times of the day. They might be eating dinner. They may be in a restroom. They may be in the bed sleeping to going out the door in a minute 25. And I challenge you listeners out there that are that are not firefighters to uh, set your alarm clock and see if you can get out of bed and get dressed and be ready to go out the door to work in a minute 25 seconds. Yes, and and that, that direct, that's a direct reflection on loss a lot of times is – um, you know, I grew up in a very rural area. I was a member of a volunteer department. The pager goes off. You had to drive to the fire station. You had to, you had to, enough people had to get there to get the truck in, on the road. And, you know, it, you're talking sometimes if you had 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it, it's a lot of time. Uh, so we're up rolling and we're expecting people on average to be at a location where that emergency is inside of eight minutes from the time that some that we found out that you had an emergency and that um that's pretty outstanding and we we've we've really done better with these numbers and i think i talked in a previous podcast when we first started doing our accreditation piece uh the the alarm handling piece which is basically hey you, as soon as you the 911 line rings and and somebody picks it up we were looking at two to three minutes um in a cardiac arrest event 
that's two to three minutes that someone's not getting the care they need. So we've we've cut those times back. We constantly measure them. We report that on a weekly basis, sometimes a daily basis. We get uh, reports, but we do provide a weekly to all the crews. Uh, we challenge it. It's a little competition thing. So we're very proud that our numbers are where they are, and we're always striving to do better. And, and that's, I mean, part of this entire report is – we're constantly striving to get better. We're trying, constantly striving to provide a better product for our citizens. We were talking about fires and uh, dollar save ratio, so just short of 95% of dollar saved. So kind of how that works is we take the total value of a structure um, or vehicle and then subtract an estimated damage. Um, one thing that stuck out to me, so last year we had a total fire loss of just over ten and a half million, ten and a half million dollars. A couple of things that struck me was one, one and a half million of that was just vehicles. So in today's, you know, people understand some of the vehicles out on the road today are worth more than my house. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. The chief comes back and asks, and Chief Alvarez comes back and asks us, so why is, and if you look, in 22, we had $8.5 million lost. So why is it so high? So we go back and we look at what specific events made the loss so much different than previous years or quarters. So uh, in the presentation, we had notable losses. Vehicle fires were up. $1.5 million, like you said. We had actually less vehicle fires, but of those, one of those calls was a piece of heavy equipment, which is still considered a vehicle that had $184,000 value on it, and it was a total loss. Um, and so those are really difficult calls, large piece of logging equipment or moving equipment, and uh, you know, usually when we get to calling them, they're already burning pretty bad. So it was a total loss. And then on the structure fire loss, some of the things as far as total fire loss that really challenged us last year, and the media uh, uh, shared this one uh, pretty great on Shaw Mill Road. We had uh, the large timber fire that lasted for days. That yeah. was a $1.8 million loss. So that wow. almost counts for the near $2 million. And then the very last day of the year this year uh, in 2023, we had the gas fire under the Russell Street Bridge, and we valued that as a million dollar loss. And and that's and that's crazy. I mean, because you think you know just a fire under bridge, but you got total road destruction, rebuild, and and everything there. So really, almost three million dollars just on them two fires that were actually outside fires, not really involved in a structure. You take them away, and we're down to the normal around seven million or so in loss that we do year in and year out. Yeah, and you know we we always love to see these numbers better, and and we know that training and times and and measuring and and holding ourselves accountable for those, and uh, we're like I said, we're very proud to be able to represent some of those things. Um, but you know, if we when we move through our presentation and we talk about different things, we talked about fire, and we've talked about of course the bulk of our calls are EMS, something that was uh, actually another thing that popped up for us last year that um, has been a, a kind of a steady increase was our number of hazardous materials responses. So uh, hazmat responses last year, uh, our hazmat teams run 453 incidents, and of those, that was an increase of uh, 55 from 2022. And uh, one reason we attribute a lot of that to is uh, struck gas lines, natural gas lines. So uh, 
we had 36 more calls in the natural gas areas last year as far as struck gas lines. So we had 156 total natural gas leaks that our hazmat team responded to, and a bulk of those they actually stopped the leak on. And, and a majority of them natural gas leaks um, are commercial construction hitting hitting lines and stuff. We very small amount, I think, that are residential caused very few very few but we do have a lot of growth in town um one of the larger ones last year was actually on bragg boulevard uh, we had one that actually uh, that was a very large line and that one took several days uh to uh, had to call special crews in uh, to actually ha- handle that yeah and i and i got a lot of calls on that and uh one thing that a lot of people don't understand that I, and I think that line was a a maybe a 12 inch natural gas line that when that line's hit, you can't just shut the gas off because it feeds so much. And it's such a vital part of the city that it's more uh, efficient for uh, Piedmont to let it continue to leak and do what they say is a bypass basically. So the, the flow of gas never stops to the customers that are, that are needing it. Yeah, and other notable things about hazardous materials, our team is actually a regional response team. Uh, we're North Carolina Regional Response Team 3, uh, which covers 11 counties, including Cumberland. And uh, of those, we had, uh, I think we had 11 regional responses during the calendar year 2023. So our crews are very proficient in what they do, and they are the category experts when they're called upon by the state of North Carolina. They expect us to be very professional and very proficient. And uh, Chief uh, Assistant Chief Dave Rickmeyer has led a program um, that has uh, very much credible without, throughout the region when they, when they go up. You know, when we talked about the gas leaks, um, our capabilities are up to you were a hazmat guy, Captain. Yeah, it's right. like like two inch lines. We can actually maybe yeah. clamp off, but once they get larger than that, the the flow and the the what what are the other effects of shutting that line? We can't just shut a line down, like you said. Yeah, and you get you know usually your two inch lines and smaller are are more of a poly, and and you start getting beyond above two inches, they start to go to to steel pipe or or, or something different that's beyond our capabilities. But uh, we'll run through a few more things. You know, I was looking through some of the recruitment and retention stuff, and uh, I was trying to make out these grads. You want to talk a little bit about, you know, the one thing that stuck stuck out on me is uh, the annual tenor of, of, of the firefighters when they leave. And if I'm reading this correct, the, the average years of service upon separation, 10.12 years. Yes, that is correct. That is correct, and uh, that's that's crazy. I mean, we're 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 in an organization, and uh, you know, we're a government retirement system. the The goal, if you're here for a career, is thirty years. And I think when you and I both got here many many years ago, it was everybody's goal to get to that get to that thirty year mark and get your pension. But now, we're having such a high attrition. It's an extremely competitive market. Um, we have peer agencies that are, you know, always um, pays always a big thing. Benefits packages are a big thing, um, but yes, we're, our our attrition rate has been um, a little younger as far as uh, the years of separation. 
Um, we did have quite a few retirements in 2023, and um, this review is only a preemption to our annual report, which will show all the faces of the retirees. And we did have quite a few promotions last year. Um, but yeah, we do, you know, our current status is, uh, 351 full-time employees. Um, some of the wins of last year, we hired a new deputy fire marshal. Um, we, we brought in 33 firefighters, um, new new hires to replace vacancies and uh we started or we worked through our certified lateral program and brought seven of those 33 were actually certified coming in Uh, some of the other fun pieces is our community engagement um things that we do um you know how many people do we actually talk to in a year yeah and that's you know of course this is right right down my alley of our our office now but uh it was incredible that uh we engaged approximately 37,843 citizens last year. And that's, I would say that's even a low number. Um, when we get out to dogwood festivals, folk festivals and stuff, we have an uncountless number of people that we're reaching out to. One other thing I want to bring up as we wrap up here was our smoke and CO alarms. And if you listen to my show before, we continue to harp on, on having working smoke alarms and carbon dioxide alarms if you have gas burn appliances. But we installed 1,115 smoke alarms and 210 CO alarms last year. But the number that stuck out to me was out of 711 fire incidents that occurred in a residence, 652 times or about 92 percent just short of 92 percent a smoke detector alerted the occupant and the occupant responded that is great 92 percent but that still leaves us with eight percent to improve on so chief autry i appreciate you coming in today i appreciate you going over that's kind of a, a step back 100 meter look at the Fayetteville fire department in 2023 Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to look at some interesting data, you can go to our website, uh, Federal Fire Department Resources, look at statistics, and we have some charts. They run a seven-day average, and you can uh, look over that, and uh, we're happy to share it. Thank you. Backdoor safety tip of the month. I I cannot harp enough on fire safety. Um, Out of them fatalities last year, 146 in North Carolina, 84 were individuals that were the age of 50 years or over. So over half are, are, are elder, our older population um, have work and smoke alarms. 40% of, of fatal fires in the United States occurring in households still do not have work and smoke alarms. Ensure you have a smoke alarm on every level of your home and a minimum outside each sleeping area. Check your smoke alarms regularly. Um, once again, at a minimum, Check them twice a year. We're coming up on daylight savings times. That's a good time to remember. Check your smoke alarms. Check your batteries. Um, Teach your children what a smoke alarm sounds like and what they should do. And just having smoke alarms ain't enough. If you joined us last month, um, there was a multi-fatal fire in St. Paul, Minnesota with working smoke alarms. you got to have an escape plan. The smoke alarm is going to alert you early, but you need to have a plan on how to get out of the house. Have two ways out. If, if you can't go out your, your bedroom door and down the hallway to the front door, shut your bedroom door and go to the window. That's going to give you that much more time. And if you're not capable physically of climbing out a window, just shutting your bedroom door, opening your window, and hanging out is going to give you that bought time until the fire department arrives and gets you out of there. And once you're out of the house, please 
please, please stay out. Fayetteville City residents, go to FayettevilleNC.gov backslash smoke alarms, and there's a form you can fill out, and uh, we'll send one of our crews by, and we'll check your smoke alarms and make sure they work. If you're a county resident or you're not sure what fire station serves you, you can go to cumberlandcountync.gov slash emergency services slash fire dash marshal. Scroll down. They have a fire station lookup. You can type your address in. They'll tell you exactly what fire station serves you and all the contact information. Please, please, please reach out to your fire departments. Let us come check and make sure you have working smoke alarms. Thank you for joining us on the Fayetteville Fire Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fayetteville on your favorite streaming platforms to listen to all our podcasts. Next time we're going to talk about something that's fire-related. I'm not going to even give a topic this month because I'm not sure what next month's topic will be, but it'll be related to fire service and Fayetteville Fire Department. Until then, be safe.